Welcome back to our podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid, where we talk to researchers previously funded by Australian Rotary Health about their research findings. I'm Jessica Cooper, and on episode 18, for the first time, we'll have two guests today, welcoming back Dr. Laura Hart from the University of Melbourne, as well as Dr. Claire Kelly from Mental Health First Aid Australia. Dr. Hart was awarded a mental health research grant from 2014 to 2016, for the project Teen Mental Health First Aid Training, a pilot cluster randomized controlled trial. On her research team was Dr. Kelly, along with Professor Tony Jorm and Betty Kitchener. So thank you very much, Laura and Claire, for joining us on our podcast today. How, how have you both been going at the moment? Hi, Jessica, great to be here. Thanks for having me on again. I'm in Melbourne, so I'm still in stage four lockdown. So I haven't been leaving the house much, but I'm well, thank you. <laughs> That's good to know. Yes. What about you, Claire? <laughs> Same. You know, I've got, I'm here with my furry housemates, a little pair of cats who are, you know, making sure that I keep working hard. But uh, yes, it's, it's 2020 has been a very challenging year, which I think makes a lot of this even more important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's good to have those very colleagues, you know, keeping you <laughs> on track. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you both about this program and the research behind it, because it's definitely received a lot of attention across the world, um, especially with Lady Gaga taking it on board. Um, did you expect the Teen Mental Health First Aid program to become so big? Well, it's a great question. Mental Health First Aid is a really impactful program that's spread to more than 25 countries across the world since Tony Jorm and Betty Kitchener started it here in Australia in the year 2000. So we knew when we created this program that there was the capacity for teen mental health first aid to be spread internationally. Um, and we wanted to um, try and make really positive impacts for young people who are at high school. So the Teen Mental Health First Aid program is designed for young people in high school to teach them about how to help their friends who might be developing a mental health problem or experiencing a mental health crisis. But to have someone so influential as Lady Gaga to really champion the program and talk about its value for young people in protecting mental health has just been an absolute dream and it wasn't something that we expected, but we're just so grateful for the, the amount of reach and influence that she has and to be able to be talking about this program and making sure that it gets into as many schools as possible is really fantastic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know that's, yeah, something that everyone is, yeah, just like, wow, Lady Gaga is, you know, putting that program out there to, to schools in the US. So, you know, that's that's very exciting. I think um, as well, the fact that she she not only puts put money into it and not only stood up and said this is an important program, but that she was there on the ground. You know, she she involved kids in... A concert when they were amongst the first to be trained and, and and she spoke openly about her own experiences with PTSD as well. Mm. Yeah, must, yeah, it's so positive having that kind of role model, you know, for, for young kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I guess um, before this project started, um, mental health first aid was very well known and popular on its own. Um, who, who was it who came up with the idea to bring the program to teenagers? I think I'll just take the credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, really, I think um, I, I, it's certainly something that I had been interested in doing right from the time that I started my PhD when mental health first aid was, was still a small program. Uh, when I did some focus groups and realised how much kids had appreciated the opportunity to talk in small groups about mental health. But that was a really long time ago and, and a lot of research ago as well. I think the really important part of the journey there is that right from the beginning of mental health first aid, people were saying we need a version of this that can go into high schools, that's got specific information about the kids in this age. And then as soon as we launched that program in 2007, people said, oh, great, okay, now we need to know what the kids can do for each other. So I think that it was just part of a, a really natural progression and one that people just embraced wholeheartedly. And Laura was heavily, um, was the, you were the responsible researcher on the original guidelines, weren't you? Yeah, which, yeah, absolutely, which, which really created a roadmap forward for us. And I think one of the important things was that it demonstrated that we were, we could tell people that it was safe to talk about suicide with young people, which I think was what a lot of people were afraid of. Mm. Um, but, but that the keeping it a taboo subject wasn't helping, that's for sure. So, yeah, yep, yeah. I'd say that it was a group effort, but I'm still happy to take all the credit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, it's a very important program and, you know, certainly it can be, yeah, very useful for teenagers who, you know, might not know what to do in that situation. So, yeah, it's, it's some great work. And um, I, I know that you received the grant in 2014. Um, I guess, you know, at the time when you were doing that research, um, what, what findings came out of, out of that project? We're actually still continuing to analyse our really rich data set from this trial and we've still got findings that are coming to light. But essentially we found that when we compared our three teen mental health first aid sessions, so in high schools the students are presented with a 75 minute session once a week for three weeks by an externally trained and accredited mental health first aid instructor. And we compared this to students who receive a matched physical first aid Program. So it's also three sessions of 75 minutes and they learn about strains and sprains and how to do CPR. And so when we compare these two programs, we found that those who received teen mental health first aid showed uh, dramatic increases in their confidence, helping a friend with a mental health problem. They had decreased stigmatising attitudes towards people with mental illness. They had improved attitudes towards seeking help from adults. So we saw some of those barriers to seeking help really come down. And we even saw increased skills in preventing suicide in friends. So lots of really positive outcomes from, from that trial. Mm, yeah, oh, well, that's, that's great to see. And I guess now, um, after the research that you've done, how far does the program reach and, and what sort of benefits can teenagers get out of the program if they do it now? The, the reach has been pretty extraordinary. It's really hard for us to quantify it, but certainly um, we would be approaching about 100,000 students across Australia having done the program now, and that's just Australia, of course. Mm. Uh, so it's, it has spread quite a long way and it will continue to spread. 
we always see um, an overall increase in the number of people picking up the program. Plus, I think really importantly, because of the events of 2020, between the, the bushfires and the pandemic, I think there's a real recognition uh, in schools and at the department level and uh, really anyone who has concerns about adolescents is especially concerned this year for that reason. Mm -hmm. So I, I anticipate that we'll have an additional growth period next year. But in terms of the benefits, they're just, they're enormous. I think one of the things that we knew from the outset, uh, particularly from the research that we were doing before the program was actually developed, and also from um, some of our piloting was that kids actually had quite good mental health literacy, as in knowledge about mental health. There are great programs in Australia that have helped them to learn about things like the symptoms of depression. But what they lacked was the skills to support someone and they knew that themselves. They were saying, I'm afraid that if I say something, I'll make it worse. Uh, they carried a lot of the same sorts of misinformation that other community members have, because obviously they, they learn that from you know, the, the broader community that it's not okay to talk about certain things. So, and I think that above all of that is the fact that kids love their friends, they care about their friends. And when they know that something's wrong and they don't have the skills to help, that's a really frightening place to be in. So the, the key thing is really giving them the tools to start those conversations and, and the confidence to know that they are not going to make things worse, that they're actually giving someone the opportunity to talk about how they feel. Yeah. Two, the, the mental health first aid program is unique that, and it provides a number of benefits over other mental health programs that are provided in schools. So like Claire touched on, a lot of programs are wonderful and increase mental health literacy, but they often focus on only one disorder, like depression or like anxiety or like suicide prevention. A lot of school programs also screen for people who are at risk of developing, like they're showing symptoms and then they're at risk of developing a disorder. And only if you're at risk do you get a program that then helps you to sort of reduce those risk factors. And one of the benefits of mental health first aid is that it's a whole of school community approach. So we don't just go in there and train a select group of teenagers in how to help their friends, because we know from um, mental health prevention and suicide prevention that you often don't select the right people and that people who are distressed will fall through the cracks because they don't, they don't necessarily want to reach out to the people who have been trained. And we know that only providing gatekeeper training to teachers isn't enough because young people want to talk to their friends first and foremost about how their mental health is going. So the approach of mental health first aid has always been as big as possible, as many people as possible. So when we go into a school, we teach uh, youth mental health first aid to parents, we teach youth mental health first aid to teachers, and we take a whole year level approach. So every student in years 10 through to year 12 can be trained and should be trained. And the more people who are on message with the action plan and the language, the more stigma reduction we see, the better effects in suicide prevention you would be likely to see, the, the more cultural shift in the way we talk about mental health. And because it's a universal program, the skills that we teach are the same, whether someone's experiencing an eating disorder or someone's experiencing depression someone's experiencing substance misuse or they're thinking about suicide. So we don't focus on any one particular disorder and we go big. We want to make sure that everyone in the school community is on the same message. And I think that that approach, that sort of population or whole of community approach is a real benefit.
Yeah, that's that's so important, especially since you know one in or nearly one in two people um, experience a mental health problem in their life. So you know, you always know someone who's experienced some kind of mental health problem. So having that those skills, um, especially early on, it's so important. So yeah, that's some some really important work. Um, I know that. Um, yeah, it's it's obviously expanded really far um, already. Um, I guess have there been some other implications, or are there any plans um, for further research, or you know, tweaking the program as it is at the moment? So this research gave us the really important data that we needed to show that the program was effective and safe. But in order to get that sort of big impact that I was talking about, you really need to do a really large scale trial. And the only place with enough funding to do that kind of research is the National Health and Medical Research Council or the NHMRC. But they're really, really competitive and you've, also, you've got to be able to show that the program is worth investing in before you can apply to them. So the, the money from Australian Rotary Health to complete the 2014 to 2017 program allowed us to show that, yep, this is a positive program. We don't see any adverse effects. And so we were able to apply to NHMRC. And in 2017, we were awarded a $1.3 million grant over five years to compare this program again Teen Mental Health First Aid to Red Cross Physical First Aid in 10 schools. So this has three and a half thousand students. It's, it's a really big trial. And we're now in year four of this study. So we finish next year. So the funding from Australian Rotary Health was absolutely essential in allowing us to take that next really big step to look at on the big stage, how does this work? And, and are we seeing the same positive outcomes again? And I'd, I'd also like to say that um, the other part that we're doing in terms of tweaking is that Mental Health and State Australia are working on updating the materials to keep them relevant for teens in schools now. So we know that young people 10 years ago and what they liked and their aesthetic is not the same as young people now. And so we do need to keep the materials fresh and making sure it speaks to young people. So Claire has engaged um, more young people with lived experience of mental illness to provide artworks and to um, engage in the, you know, trying to develop the, the materials to make sure that they're appropriate for youth. And we're also speaking with national and state governments about the need to implement this program across Australia in schools to help meet the mental health demands, which are just gonna be unfortunately astronomical due to COVID-19 pandemic and the economic recession. So there's lots of work going on in this space at the moment that's really been launched by that initial funding that we got. Yeah, it sounds really exciting. You know, such a, such a big grant that, that you've received, you know, as a result of the initial funding, you know, doing that pilot study. So, yeah, it'd be good to see, you know, how it grows and, and goes to different schools. So, yeah, that, that's amazing. And I know, Claire, that you currently work at Mental Health First Aid Australia. Um, could you maybe tell us a bit about your role there and, and, and what you've been doing? Sure. Look, I, I'm the Director of Research and Curriculum. So I have responsibilities over all of the curriculum and the, all of the programs that we, all the courses that we run as well as a supervisory role in the research program. So, uh, but I have my fingers in a lot of different pies. <laughs> yes. I, uh, I, you know, I, I think I would very much like to, to clone myself at some stage because I also do um, the mentoring of our new international partners, including right this week, as we speak, I'm actually working with a new international partner 
who's taking on the teen program. And uh, they saw the first session of that last night and they were beyond excited. And I just, Laura, how many times have we heard these words? I wish this existed when I was in high school. Yeah. Absolutely. The program and the teen program, there's just, just this recognition, I think, that a lot of people have when they start to see these materials that, oh my gosh, so I wasn't a whiny teenager. I wasn't just a normal moody brat. I was struggling and there just weren't people around who actually recognised that. And I think that's incredibly important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, yeah, it would have been great to see something like that at, Yeah, when I was in high school as well because, you know, you, you always know people who are going through, you know, things like that. And at such a young age, you don't know yeah, how to deal with it. And, yeah, so, yeah, it's just such a great thing that you're doing and I'm really glad that, you know, it's out there now. It's just, um, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I think there've been a lot of programs over the years that have focused on help seeking, on individual people recognising that they need help and looking for it. But I think one of the problems with that when it comes to mental health is that often because of the symptoms of mental health, you may not recognise that you're not well. It, you may feel as if you don't deserve that kind of help. You might feel that, well, this is just, you know, it's just normal to be unhappy in a world that is this horrible. And so empowering other people to offer that help and help you to seek, actually take the steps of, hey, let's go and talk to the school counsellor together or, you know, have you tried talking to your mum about the way you've been feeling makes an enormous difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess, yeah, from what we've seen already, that there's been a lot of good that's come out of this research and, and the Teen Mental Health First Aid program. It's, it's helping real teenagers across the world learn how to help their friends with mental health problems. I guess we'd like to hear your views on, on why research behind these kind of programs is so important. I think, first and foremost, speaking about suicide prevention in schools can be risky. So we know that the way media and TV shows can depict suicide or talk about suicide can either glorify it um, and make people more at risk, or they can really stigmatise it and drive the problem underground so people don't want to talk about it. And neither of those approaches in schools are appropriate. So the way you talk about suicide is really important and evaluation of whether or not it's safe and effective is just absolutely crucial to make sure you're not doing any harm. So the most effective suicide prevention method we've ever discovered is simply asking someone, are you thinking about suicide? And then very carefully listening to their answer without judging them. That's the most effective thing we can do. But communicating those skills and how you do that creates, um, requires a whole heap of scaffolding and education and getting people confident enough with the skills and with our action plan so that they can do that without feeling like they're going to make it worse and that they know what to do if the, if the person that they've asked says, well, actually, yes, I have been thinking about doing that. It's like, okay, I know what to do now. I need to make sure I don't leave the person and get someone involved, get an adult involved, get a professional involved. So we can safely talk about suicide in schools. It's such an important message. Like we don't want to drive this underground. We don't want schools to think that, oh, we can't touch this, it's way too risky. We can do it, but it has to be done safely. And that's why evaluation research is so incredibly important in this space. 
uh, it's essential to discovering whether or not the program does what it intends to do and does it safely. And I think now Team Mental Health First Aid is probably the program in Australia that has the most evidence to show that it's safe and effective. There's other suicide and mental health literacy um, programs around the world that have a similar level of evidence but haven't been trialled here in Australia to the same degree yet. So I think it's, it's a wonderful um, opportunity that Australian Rotary Health has given us to be able to develop the data to show that it is a safe program and that we can be really confident in rolling it out across Australia, especially in these post-pandemic or during this pandemic time when mental health needs are really increasing. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure it will be very helpful for teenagers, you know, going through the aftermath of um, COVID-19 and, you know, trying to, you know, work out, you know, how that affects them and, and dealing with that. So, yeah, no, it's been great. Um, I, I guess this is also a great example of why Rotarians and the wider public um, should, you know, maybe consider donating to mental health research. I guess um, as well, could you tell us a bit about the impact their donations may have had um, for this project? Uh, can I take this one, Laura? I actually I feel like I, I'm honour bound to take this question because I actually come from a Rotary family as well. Um, I have, I think that I spoke to a Rotary club for the first time when I was about 13. Uh, so to me, it's it's been amazing to actually watch how, how because Rotary always did amazing things for health research and also for providing uh, medical support for people all over the world. I mean, polio and, and um, mosquito nets and, and just so many things. But when they picked up mental health, I think that there was just a real, it felt different. You could see that the clubs had recognised that there was something here that they could do that was going to have a profound impact on the entire country, on our entire community. And also that because of the reputation of Rotarians, that they're down to earth, that they're out there in the community, that they are business owners, that they are workers, that they are real people. It meant that the actual, the work that was done to start improving the profile of mental health was supported at the very grassroots by Rotarians. So, so there was so much going on. There was the, there was the work that Rotarians were doing on the ground and there was the fundraising and there was the, that's something that actually, I think, you know, Laura really hit the nail on the head talking about how Rotary took a chance on this program. That's not the first time that they've done that for mental health first aid. In fact, our guidelines projects started when we, we hadn't had, we hadn't been successful in getting funding from more traditional sources, but Rotary looked at it and said, this is a good project that's going to have an impact on the community really quickly. Go for it. And that, that funded actually my, my postgraduate, my postdoctoral research actually for three years. And again, it just, it meant that we could then show the results and people would say, okay, I'm prepared to fund that. So Rotary has had a profound impact and it's really, I don't know, sometimes I think about the work that we've done uh, particularly the Rotary funded work. And I think about Sunday mornings when I was a kid helping to set up a, uh, a, a trash and treasure market in the, you know, in a supermarket uh, parking lot at, you know, six o'clock in the morning and complaining that I'd really rather be at home. And now I'm actually immensely proud to have been a part of something that has made such, a, such an enormous impact and, and that I can really point at 
all the p moving parts of that. It's really, it's amazing. I think yeah. too that um, the Rotary and the clubs and all their fundraising do have this incredible global impact and the spread of mental health first aid is one of the success stories. But I think from a personal level, it's changed lives as well, especially lives of researchers. So as a female with young kids and lived experience of mental illness, it's incredibly difficult to work in the academic space and apply for research funding. We're very disadvantaged in the mental health sphere because medical research is often geared towards cancer prevention and heart disease and a whole range of other really important illnesses. And so to have a space um, like what Australian Rotary Health creates to apply for funding and put that on your CV. As a young researcher, that's just an incredible uh, leg up into the world of, of research. And without that kind of stepping stone, it would really um, you know, disadvantage our careers incredibly. So I think it's true to focus on that, that massive global impact and the population mental health impact, which has been phenomenal. But I think like Claire talking about her PhD funded research, you know, I, I received actually PhD funding um, from Rotary as well. It really changes researchers lives for better as well. Oh, well, that, that's so good to hear, and it's and it's always amazing to hear about the results that, that come from those donations. So I'm I'm sure, yeah, Rotarians, you know, love to see where their donations have gone, and and mental health first aid and, and teen mental health first aid is it's a great example. So I thank you both for uh, for coming on and and talking to me today on our podcast. Um, I guess before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to add? <laughs> you know, I just want them to know that. The, the donations that they make and the research that gets funded, it has a ripple effect. It's not just the, the cash amount that gets donated. It's, it's um, the Rotary name behind it. It is the way that Rotary funded research is viewed by the broader community. Uh, I just want to say thanks to all Rotarians who are, I guess, uh, getting out in cold weather and hot weather and doing their, their fundraising, everyone has been able to reach into their pocket and make a donation. Just thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It really is life changing. Thank you both so much again. It's, yeah, it's been great. And that, that was the 18th episode of our podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid. It's always so inspiring to hear what researchers in Australia are doing to make a difference to mental health and how they are helping us on our mission to lift the lid on mental illness. If you can, please continue supporting important mental health research like Laura's and Claire's by donating on the Australian Rotary Health website. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.